Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Has anyone here heard, we're doing lots of holding hands in the air this morning, has anyone here hold a, held, heard a preach about David and Goliath before? Anyone? Oh my gosh. Okay. Normally, when you hear... Uh, a, a preach about David and Goliath. What normally happens is that during the course of the sermon, you are asked to place yourself in the position of David and Goliath changes from being this big angry giant to being an issue or a problem or something in your life. And sort of the application from the preach is that you can defeat the giants in your life. And you might have heard a preach that I've done on that subject. So I'm not saying that that necessarily is a bad thing. But the mistake that can be made is that it makes Christianity out to be something that is only for the strong and only for the overcomers. Um, it, it makes Christianity being about getting rid of your giants, to have a giant-free life. And it makes Christianity really all about a solo effort. If you try really hard, if you commit to this whole thing, you can get rid of your problems. And that is not the heart of Christianity. That's not what we believe here at Mosaic. No, Christianity fundamentally is about a greater David. It's about one of David's descendants. It's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus defeats man's greatest giants, sin, death, and Satan at the cross. And so Jesus does what we cannot do for ourselves. Um, The way I explain this to my kids is that sin or selfishness does to us what kryptonite does to Superman. So it renders us absolutely powerless and vulnerable. We are in sin's grip. Sin means that we fight and we argue and we attack often the people that we love the most. Sin is at the root of all the troubles in the world. If you take a look at the atrocities in Gaza right now, at the root of those things is sin and selfishness. And sin separates us from a holy, loving God. We need someone fundamentally to save us, to help us, to empower us. And when we put our faith in God... Jesus' victory at the cross becomes ours. And if you like, the kryptonite's power is diffused at the cross. And so on our own, we're dead in the water, we've got no chance. But in Christ, we can be humble, victorious warriors. That's what we believe. Amen? That's fundamentally what we believe. And so with that in mind, we are going to look at this story of giant killing, but we're going to look at four brilliant ways that we can apply the victory of Jesus at the cross to our own lives. So is everyone up for that? We're going to look at four things together. Great. I'm glad most of you are nodding. You have no choice. Number one, (laughs) number one, know your fight. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17 here, and let's look at verse 3. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So can you picture that in your mind's eye? You've got Philistines on one hill, 
Israelites on another hill, and you've got like a valley in between them. So they're looking, staring each other off on top of the hillside, and you've got the valley where the battle is going to commence. Verse 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So the fight is clear. You've got a man who most sort of Bible experts would say was nine foot nine inches tall. That is three meters tall. To put that into perspective, any basketball fans, this is LeBron James. Um, and LeBron James is six foot eight. So Goliath would have been three feet taller than LeBron James. This next slide is, this is Robert Wadlow. He is, according to the Guinness Book of Records, tallest man who has ever lived. Um, he is eight foot eleven, so he is still a foot shorter than Goliath. Goliath is wearing body armor that weighed nine stones and was armed with a javelin across his back and a spear. And actually, there were two men at this fight because he had a shield bearer coming out in front of him. In verses 8 to 10, Goliath lays out a challenge. Look at verse 10 with me. This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. That word defies used six times. That is Goliath's attitude to Israel. He's treating them with contempt. He's scorning them. And what Goliath proposes was quite common in the day. It's like a one-on-one contest with the winner taking all. And the problem is, obviously, with such an intimidating person, no one wants to take on the giant. And according to verse 11, they were dismayed and terrified. These are powerful words, which means they were broken, absolutely broken, filled with fear. And the giant of a problem doesn't go away either, because verse 16 tells us Goliath comes out and challenges them over 80 times. So every morning and evening for 40 days, and in the Bible, 40 days is often associated with a period of testing and trials. 80 times Goliath comes out. And his question is, or uh, sorry, our question is, uh, when looking down in the valley, Goliath is stood there, is would the Israelites flee or would they put their faith in God? And quite clearly, verse 24, they all fled from him in great fear. Guys, That's the battle that David is fighting. And I want to ask you today, do you know the battle that you're fighting? What's your fight? What are the giants in your life? What areas of your life do you feel most intimidated and overwhelmed? Who or where do you want to run from? What's paralyzing you now? One Christian author, Max Lucado, says this, Your Goliath doesn't carry sword or shield. He brandishes blades of unemployment, abandonment, or depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. He prances through your office, your bedroom, your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, pornography you can't refuse, a career you can't escape, a past you can't shake, and a future you can't face. For me, the giants in my life are very clearly a a huge fear of being rejected. I've had that all my life. A comparison that I do with other people to try and sort of, I guess, find where I stand in this world. 
a huge amount of pride that sort of celebrates successes because they look good before others, and a quiet pull towards materialism. And I found over the years, like in pastoring hundreds of people, that step one in applying God's victory to your life has always got to be labeling the issue, naming the giant, knowing the fight. And you know why it's important? It's important because often the giants in our lives are hiding really well. And it may be pushing this sort of analogy too much with what we have in front of us in the scripture, but often our fight is just like the one facing David. Because remember, remember, he's got two men coming at him. He's got Goliath, but he's also got the shield bearer. And time and time again, I've met people that have put all their energy into fighting the shield bearer and not the giant. And so in our lives, there are lots of giants, things like anger and impatience. It might be, I know, stuff like tiredness or insecurity. It might be you're being bullied. It might be that you've got, like, people are asking you to do stuff and you feel completely out of your depth. All those things are actually presenting issues. They're things that we can see really easily on the outside. It's perhaps how we feel about situation. But it's not the true giant that's lurking away in our hearts. Wonderfully, God loves to reveal to us what's really going on in our hearts as we love and serve him. 1 John 1 verse 7 should give us confidence. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we've got fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Knowing your fight means you can truly apply God's victory to the right area of your lives. And again... um, Every giant that I have found in my life, I've only found because someone helped me find it. None of the giants in my life were discovered on my own, or me just sort of in a room trying to journal and pray. All of them came through spending time with trusted others, and them helping me see what was really going on. Why? It's because we're often living with our giants so long, they become our blind spots. We don't realize that they are truly there. And that's why, I guess, in Mosaic, we would value vulnerability. We would value honesty. We realize it takes great courage to trust someone else with what's really happening in your life. But that's so important if we are going to claim God's victory in our lives. That's why we do things called accountability groups. It's just one or two others that over time you grow a friendship with, but you can actually talk and pray about the real issues in your lives. Listen, guys, step one is know your fight. Ask God to reveal the giants in your life and find someone to talk to about them. Number two, um, not just be aware of what the fight is, but be trained to fight. Because our attention now turns to the hero of the story, which is King David. Um, He's not king yet, but God is preparing him in wonderful ways. Remember, um, he has been anointed by Samuel. We looked at that last week. But after being told he's going to be king, he goes back to looking after his sheep. And it's him as a shepherd boy where his father asks him to take a packed lunch to his three older brothers who are on the front line. And from all we know, he runs the next 18 miles from Bethlehem to the battlefront and goes as quickly as he possibly can to be with his brothers. When speaking to Saul, uh, we're told that later on in the story, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but not only is he faithful to his father's commands, 
But in verse 37, he tells King Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. What's happened is, well, many of us know this, David's story is a story of being faithful in the little. Being faithful in the little. Like a a pianist practicing the scales. My children are just starting to learn their scales. Pray for me. Um, uh, or an athlete training. You know, it, many of us watching the Commonwealth Games at the moment, you know, when someone wins a gold medal, they don't just turn up, you know, and win, unless they play for Scotland or someone. But they don't just turn up on the day. Am I allowed to say that? Please forgive me, anyone here that's Scottish, we love you. Thank you for hosting a great games. You know, it is impossible, it is impossible just, you know, to dive in and take on impossible things. And I would gently suggest that sometimes God does it that way, but more often than not, more often than not, it's very difficult to go from nothing to slaying a giant in one go. And, you know, praise be to God, there are miracles in all of our lives where God just comes and sets us free. But more often than not, Giants have been roaming the hills of our hearts for quite a long time, slandering us, slandering God. And it takes a while for them to go down. What's needed is a faithful application of Jesus' victory and power in everyday life, in the ordinary things. And once again, anyone that I know has got a life where I would look at it and say, there seems to be something about them. There's an authority in them because they've applied Christ's victory to the most broken, difficult places of their lives. The story usually is that they have made a thousand different, small, seemingly insignificant decisions and prayers and commitments that over the years they have built up this ability to take down the toughest things in their lives. And it's come often through years of persevering in the small things, in the everyday things, in the workplace, at work, um, at home and with kids, being faithful in studies, uh, loving your family, serving the church family. And I guess I'd want to say this, um, especially as we're in Yorkshire, um, my experience is most of us want to do this stuff on our own in our own strength, and we want to get it done quick. And the reality is God often loves to humble us so that in due season he can lift us up. And what he lifts up brings him great glory, not us glory. And I don't know if this this has been your experience as well, but for most of us in the room that are Christians, the triumph doesn't come in a moment. The triumph comes with a long walk in the same direction. And some of you today just need some confidence, again, that you're doing the right things, that what you're doing will bear fruit in the long run, that God is preparing you right now for fights in the future. Let's just skip straight away to point three. This is so important. Point three is this, focus on Jesus, the gospel, and his promises, not yourself or the giant. Can we just read that together? Point three, focus on Jesus, the gospel, and his promises, not yourself or the giants. You know, most people that I've spoken to that aren't seeing change in their lives, perhaps aren't growing in Christ-likeness, 
Perhaps we'd say, um, you know, I'm struggling with the giants in my lives. There are three things they all have in common, and they should serve as warnings to us. Number one, most of them are blissfully ignorant. And hopefully that doesn't sound really condemning or anything. But the reality is, many of us, because life is so full on and busy and stretched, most of us just live in the everydayness of life. And we struggle to have perspective. We struggle to even have the space and the capacity to think through what's really going on in our lives. So when I ask the question at the start, what are your giants? Those of you that are blissfully ignorant will sit there and just say, Mm, nah, probably not me. Or, nah, I can't think. can't remember. I wrote it down back in 1983. And I, I'd have to get that journal out. You know, you, the temptation is to live on the surface. And if you do that, then you're not opening yourself up to claiming the victory that Christ has for you. The second category is probably the most common, and I've just labelled it coping. So these are um, people that have tried to change and have really given it a good go, but ultimately Goliath has defeated them and they feel like they failed. And what's happened is this. They've tried to change, they've put a load of effort into it, nothing's happened or a very minimal amount of victory has come. And they've suddenly realized, oh, I'm in church here. And there's a, a, there's a, there's a behavior that seems appropriate in this community. And therefore, I will simply adjust my behavior to make sure I don't stand out too much. So perhaps I don't want to look like I'm really, really good, but I don't want to look like I'm really bad. So there is an appropriate behavior in the way that I speak, the jokes I tell, the lifestyle, lifestyle I live which is just Christian. And the problem with that is there's no inner transformation. It's just all about you adapting culturally. And what's happening is you're coping with your giants. And if you fall into this category, what you feel the most when you're in talks like this is if only people really knew what was going on in my life. I hope no one ever finds out. And the third group is very common as well, is those of us that just feel overwhelmed and overstretched. So you do see yourself in your weaknesses. You are aware of your giants, but you just feel like you have very little strength. You feel overwhelmed at breaking free. And this morning what you need is the gift of faith to believe that Jesus' victory applies to your life and applies to your life for the long haul to believe the gospel over lies and false promises. And my hope is that that's what happens. As I've been praying for this preach this week, that the theme over and over again is that many of us need just confidence in the work of God in our lives. Confidence in Christ's victory. So listen, David seems to conquer because he doesn't really see himself. He doesn't really see the giant. He sees God's greatness. When Goliath comes close to David um, and sees he's just a boy, he despises him and says in verse 43, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And after taunting him, cursing him, uh, 
David responds and does something that no one else does in the story. He focuses on God, not the giant. He alone seems to be concerned about God's honor and the people's reputation. Guys, have you introduced God into the equation? Like seriously, if you are going to apply Christ's victory to your life, have you introduced God into the equation? We are so quick to just cope or to ask for advice or get friends' help, and we forget to go to God. David does this wonderfully. His response in verse 45, listen carefully for the name Jehovah Saboeth, which means the God of power, or the commander of the hosts of heaven. He says in probably a cracking or breaking voice, he's just a teenager, uh, he says this in verse 45, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then David describes in great detail what he will do to Goliath and declares in verse 47, all those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. Um, back in 1952, there was a young lady called uh, Florence Chadwick, uh, and she attempted to swim the distance between Catalina Island and uh, Los Angeles in the States. It's a similar distance to crossing the English Channel. And when she entered the water, uh, unfortunately a heavy fog descended over the sea and it blinded her and made it very difficult for her to see where she was going while she was swimming. She became, over time, she became very discouraged and uh, disorientated. And Finally, after giving it her best shot, she gave up and her escorts pulled her into the boat. And it was only out of the boat, as she re- out, when she came out of the water into the boat, she realized how close she was to finishing, 300 yards away from the shore. When she found out how close she was, she exclaimed, all I could see was hopeless. Her clouded vision kept her from victory. All I could see was hopeless. And for some of you today, all you can see is hopeless. When it comes to defeating giants, to the fight that you're in, all you can see is hopeless. If you were to count the number of times David makes a statement about Goliath, you'd find only two. If you listen to the number of times he refers to God, we've got it on the screen again and again. The armies of the living God. The armies of the living God. The Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. The Lord will deliver you. That all earth may know that there's a God in Israel. The Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into into our hands. Perhaps the way to fight is to see Christ and who you are in Christ this morning. I want to ask you to do this in just a moment. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to read some things that I'm going to put on the screen. And what I've done is uh, I've just taken some uh, words from from the Bible that describe who we are in Jesus. These are things that we can claim for ourselves if you're a Christian here this morning. And I guess this is how I want you to engage with it. I want you to read this aloud with me, but I want you to be on a lookout for perhaps a verse or a statement that you need to hold on to today that you can apply to the battle that you face today. So do you want to stand with me? And we're just going to read what's in bold. And we've got uh, four or five slides to go through. And uh, some of you might find it helpful just to put your hands out in front of you 
It's a sign of openness. Some of you just might want to listen, close your eyes and listen. Others of us, let's read this together. So this is who we are in Christ. I am faithful. I am God's child. I have been justified. I am Christ's friend. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm assured all things work together for good. I'm confident that God will perfect the work he has begun in me. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen before the creation of the world. I am holy and blameless. I am adopted as his child. I am given God's glorious grace lavishly and without restriction. I am forgiven. I have purpose. I have hope. I am included. I am sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I am salt and the light of the earth. I am promised eternal life. I am promised a full life. I am set free. I am crucified with Christ. I am a light in the world. I am more than a conqueror. I am not helpless. I am overcoming. Guys, just close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to imagine that you are the army of Israel, standing shoulder to shoulder on the battlefield. And you know that before you is a giant, is a Goliath. But you also can see there's a small boy that's gone out to meet him. But listen, I don't really want you to look at David, and I don't want you to look at Goliath. I want you to see what is behind Goliath. And I want you to see what David was looking at. Because he was looking at the God who is the commander of the armies of Israel. He was looking at the God of power and victory. And I don't know what you imagine when you see the God of power and victory, but for me, I see a face. I see a face that fulfill, like fills the horizon. I see a huge face behind Goliath. And his face has got his eyes open and his eyes are burning into me into my soul, into my heart. And what I can tell that the Lord is thinking as he looks at me and I look at him is that he's saying to me, just say the word. Just say the word and Goliath is mine. Just say the word. Just say the word. And some of you, this morning, need to see who you are in Jesus and the God of power and victory much more than you see the giants before you. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit, amongst us. We welcome you. We trust in you. And we bring all these different things to you. But we want to start fighting now. We want to start engaging in preparing to fight now. We want to know who we're fighting now. And we would love confidence to fight now. 
And so we come to you with our requests. And we trust that as we ask in the name of Jesus, you love to answer with a resounding yes. And so for my brothers and sisters here this morning, God, would you come today? Would you give us the resources we need to fight the giants in our, in our lives? Lord, I just pray that word confidence for many people in the room. Confidence in God. Pray for anyone here that has not yet decided to follow Jesus. Today is a day where you can put confidence in Christ's work on the cross to set you free from sin and death and for you to know life and life to the full. God, we want life to the full this morning. So we welcome your work. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here. Thank you, God. You're wanting to give real hope to people this morning. You know, we're going to sing in just a moment and just have a, a, a chance to respond to God. Um, when I was younger, uh, we used to have a neighborhood bully. And I don't know if you, growing up, used to have someone in school or in your neighborhood who was a bully, but we had a bully. And uh, we used to hate going out uh, late in the evening because this guy would prey on all of us. And he was the sort of boy that would steal your toys, he'd push you over, he'd hurt you, he'd call you names, he'd make you feel uh, like you were so small and weak. And I remember one evening, we were down at the local park and we were playing football together and this bully turned up and started to uh, have a go at all of us there. Um, but one of the boys I was playing with, a friend of mine, his dad turned up and uh, to pick the boy up and saw what the bully was doing. And so wonderfully to the rest of us, he waded over to the bully. He grabbed him by the collars, lifted him up and threw him against a wall and pinned him there. And he said this, he said, if you ever hurt my son again, I will hurt you. And there's loads of rights and wrongs, obviously, in doing that. <laughs> and uh, you'd be arrested if you did that today. Um, <laughs> But it was in the olden days when you were allowed to do that. <laughs> and um, for the rest of us, as we watched on this scene, um, I saw in my friend next to his dad, his sort of chest went out and he seemed to t stand a little bit taller because he knew that this problem had been dealt with. And it's almost like we all shared in this little mini victory in that moment. And interestingly, that bully didn't trouble us again. And some of you here today need to know the victory of Jesus really does apply to you. You have a Father in heaven that is greater than all the giants that are here on earth and all the giants that are in your heart. And so as we sing, I'd love you to sing with confidence this morning. A confidence that comes from the Holy Spirit, that his work in you is greater than he that is in the world. Mm -hmm.